0: Hey everyone, you're listening to the 10.7 podcast, where we get together every fortnight and sometimes more often to talk about technology, business, and the humans in it. I'm your host, Ivan Stegich. My guest today is Tess Flynn, who has been on the show a number of times before, She's DevOps engineer here at 10.7, though today we'll be talking a little bit about Google Analytics and ReCAPTCHA and the vast amount of data that companies like Google have about us and the implications that has. Welcome back to the show, Tess. (laughs) Hello. Hello. So... So, this episode uh, idea came
1: from a tweet of yours. Because I like raising, raising trouble whenever I get the chance.
0: Yes. And not only do you raise trouble on Twitter, you post it in Slack and see what people say. <laughs> I'm going to read it for our listeners. So, the tweet went out and it says, the, You said the following. I really wish that we in the Drupal community didn't just roll over and play dead when it comes to Google Analytics, Tag Manager, and ReCAPTCHA. Each of these have serious privacy implications, and we often don't even bring that up with clients. First of all, how's my test imitation?
1: Uh, well, you, what you have to do is you have to like prevent the top part of your larynx from actually vibrating, and then you'll get closer.
0: <laughs> I don't think I can do that. <laughs> okay, so what's the genesis of those tweets? Why, why did you? Why did you say
1: this? Uh, so I was talking with some friends on a Mastodon instance, and <laughs> one of them brought up that they they really don't want to work on any site that ever touches Google Analytics um, or any kind of privacy-violating technology. And that got me thinking about this, about the number of different sites that I have worked on over my career, all of which use Google Analytics. And it just occurred to me that... I never really bothered to consider is that a good thing? It, what do they do with this data? Where does it go? And for the most part, we really have had two different eras in. Website tracking. Well, I suppose we could say three different eras. So the first era is the ye old fashioned counter mm-hmm. application <laughs> from way back in the Stone wow, Age when we, when we hewed GIFs and CGI scripts with, you know, with uh, bear skins and, and bone saws and all of those things. One, one GIF <laughs> per number of the
0: counter, so you only had 10 to use. Yeah.
1: And then came a server-side analytics period where you had some built-in application that either was uh, loosely or tightly coupled with either your application or your web server. And then you would log into a private portal and look at your stats. And they were all rendered in hideous tables because it's all about the data. Nobody cares about the presentation, right? Right. And then Google Analytics came along And it kind of destroyed that entire market overnight here was a product which was ostensibly free which had decent enough ui to not look terrible it was relatively easy to set up you didn't have to pay for anything in order to use it and once you were once you had it it was very light on your own website, because you didn't have to go and update a table, or a database, or a file somewhere. Instead, just a bit of JavaScript sent off a, uh, a, a uh, an API call to another server somewhere, and it ended up in your analytics. And that seemed pretty great at the time. But now we're in this era where technology is very pervasive. You can't really operate in society without some level of technology. Um, I get incensed when a lot of government officials, for example, say that you don't need the internet in order, in order to live in present-day society. Uh. And, then I go to, and then I go to their website and say, okay, so how do I apply for unemployment benefits? Oh, it's a website. <laughs> I can't call anybody. Help. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's things like that start getting on my nerves. And. We're in this period where we have so much data, so much tracking, and so much of a panopticon that we don't really realize how much we've contributed to it, either directly or indirectly, because we're only concerned with our little corner of it. And Google Analytics is one of those things that contributes to the larger panopticon. It really is. But it's so easy, Tess. It's so ubiquitous. Come on. Well, so are some of the... The inter-
0: alternatives oh, really? that you could use. Okay, too. let's talk about like what what alternatives there are because we've all heard of other measurement apps, right? There's Kissmetrics and Heap and mm-hmm. Optimizely and Mixpanel, but they all kind of have the same problem, right? They're these big companies that gobble your data up and then sell them to other companies.
1: Exactly. So they have all the tracking data, all the behavioral data, and then they resell that data, anonymized or not. And anonymizing data is kind of a misnomer. Mm -hmm. I have worked with private data, HIPAA-compliant data before. And I know that there are ways of scraping information even out of that in aggregate. And that is the primary, the primary problem with technology today is there's a lot of aggregate mm-hmm. data. You can still figure, huh, it's, it's the old story of, well, I, I'm not signed in on YouTube on my TV. And then about four weeks later, it's giving you the same exact recommendations <laughs> that you have on your phone, which you're logged in on. How does it do that? Behavioral aggregation. Yep. We don't like that, do we? All of those solutions that we've already talked about are all data that you're giving away. The reason why they don't cost you anything or cost you so little is because you are the
0: product. That's the old adage, isn't it? If something's free and you're not paying for the service, you are likely the product.
1: Mm-hmm. They're using it as a con in order to get your information. Then they turn that information over to advertisers, and that's where the real lucrative income is.
0: Oh man! Okay, so let's let's talk about some privacy-respecting solutions. Then I um, I read about Simple Analytics a while ago, um, and they seem to be pretty much. You know, that seems to be their business model, right? Privacy respecting analytics platform. They're based in the Netherlands. Um, you you pay them for their service. They promise never to sell your data. They still have your data. Um, it's kind of a proton
1: mail approach, isn't it?
0: Exactly. Exactly. Tell, tell people what you mean by that.
1: Okay, so Proton Mail is, I believe, a Swiss email mm-hmm. provider. It provides webmail access like Gmail, but it has the same kind of marketing pitch that they exist in a quote-unquote politically neutral country. Insert laugh track here. <laughs> um, the, the ostensibly don't sell your data again. It's always private and always encrypted. Okay, yeah how long until you switch CEOs and you break every one of those promises because I saw what happened to Keybase. Tell me about Keybase before we go on here. What happened to Keybase? Keybase was a very promising project where you could share public GPG keys and other security keys in order to facilitate secure communication uh, with other individuals by verifying identity publicly via web servers, social media posts, and so on the problem is that it got all of that you know silicon valley tech pro vc money into it and it turned into a blockchain ribbled oh, bitcoin wallet piece yeah, of garbage
0: i <laughs> wondered what happened to that i didn't do any research into it but i still have a
1: keybase account so i mean i still have it too but i don't even use it anymore it's just the the primary promise that it had in addition to sharing Uh, sharing keys, was also the ability to have encrypted communication that was fully anonymous, that you didn't have to surrender some critical piece of information for, such as your phone number, which is what Signal has as a problem. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so it sounds like uh, big VC money corrupts Uh, good ideas and privacy is what I think we're saying here in the last few minutes, right? Yeah.
1: Well, let's get, let's get back to analytics. Let's get back to analytics. Yeah.
0: So I was talking about simple analytics and then I was going to tell our audience how you were telling me about something else called Matomo last week, uh, something that you can host yourself. Um, I did a little bit of research myself on them, but you've played around with the product as well. Um, so Matomo actually goes back to 2007.
1: Yeah, it's one of these second wave uh, analytics tracker projects inspired by that. But unlike a lot of those projects, this one actually managed to continue to be maintained, continue to get UI and UX improvements during that entire time. And now it is a very modern application which has a UI that's, if not comparable, I would better. almost say better mm. than ana- than analytics. Yeah, Don't say
0: analytics. Say Google Analytics, because as soon as you just keep Google saying analytics, analytics yes. then it changes it into Xerox, and that's not what we need. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Matomo had another name. They were called Pi- Piwik, which I think is Kiwi with the P added on backwards because… Because it's a PHP that, application. That's just brilliant, isn't it? <laughs>
1: There's a reason why they probably don't have that name anymore. Matomo is actually a lot easier to use. It
0: and it's also a word that means decent in Japanese. And that's actually their third name by the way. They had
1: even older names oh, they than that did. What too. were they before Piwik? Yet, something like my php analytics or something oh, like that going off of my php webadmin oh, and the like. I remember it goes that. that far wow. back. okay,
0: so that's good actually, right? <laughs> Okay, mm-hmm. so one of their values is transparency, and then they th- say you own the data. So, um, what
1: what does Matomo give us? You can. Like, what do you? So there's two different products with Matomo. There's Matomo Cloud, which is the one one that is a hosted solution, which is very much like Google Analytics and Simple Analytics and all of these other products. It has again the Proton Mail promise of yes, we won't ever sell your data, but how much do you really trust mm-hmm. that? And then they have a fully self-hosted open source version that's on GitHub. And that's what got my attention because now this is a open governance, open release, open code approach that allows me to actually host it myself, maintain the data myself, make sure that it's subject compliant to my client's host country laws. For example, if I have a client in, say, Canada, they don't want to give their data to, uh, to an American company, which might hand it over to the FBI or whomever. They want to make sure that it stays inside Mm -hmm. their country that's subject to their privacy laws. By hosting it within their country, it is automatically subject to their privacy laws. So that is a key advantage.
0: That is a really important advantage. Okay, so they offer a cloud hosting solution, so you could basically do the same thing as Google Analytics, except now it's Mm -hmm. hosted by Matomo, or you could download it and you can get it from GitHub and host it yourself. How, How hard is that? typically, do you think?
1: If you've installed Drupal before, this is actually about the same, if not slightly easier. It's not very difficult. You get a uh, an archive, uh, the techies will call that a dist, that has the full files already set up. You don't need to run Composer or any other comp- uh, applications in order to compile it. You put it on a web server, you make sure that you have SSL on it, and your good to go give it a database and you're ready to run. really and the php it's a php mysql stack yeah and it can run behind fpm or nginx or mod php with apache all of those work
0: what about bandwidth usage and kind of the amount of server resources you might need to run this i would imagine not very much
1: well, that's a very good question because I actually haven't had the opportunity yet to hard install it myself. I am still just trialing the cloud version, and I spent most of the weekend trying to build a container, because me, obviously, <laughs> that will install Matomo itself. And their Kubernetes and, and container support isn't really where I want it to be so I'm trying to fix that and make my own version of it and I had some success making the container but I haven't gotten around to developing a helm chart to put it on kubernetes yet
0: so that's the goal for you then
1: that's the next thing I'm going to try. And then once it's on my server, I'll be able to see how much server draw that it actually takes. And then if it's good enough, I'm going to pull Google Analytics out of, off of my site. I'm not going to use it anymore. I think
0: that's a, a good aspirational uh, place to be. I, I'm i not sold that we need Google Analytics on our 10.7.com site. Um, and I'm also not sold that we have to be talking to our clients um, about Keeping their Google Analytics either, so I mean, if we can if we can uh, make that uh, Matomo deployment into something we put into our Kubernetes hosting, I think there's value to that.
1: Yeah, I think that's actually very possible to. Uh, set that up as a cluster-wide solution that can be multi-tenant. That's actually one thing that's really nice about Matomo is it is a multi-tenant solution out of the box. Tell me about what that means, multi-tenant. It, it means you can configure multiple user accounts with multiple sites. And multiple
0: domain names, right? hmm So you don't have to uh, create a new account for every single uh, Google Analytics client. They don't all have to have their own accounts. You, can't, you don't have to worry about them... Um, you know, having to create all... You just create them for your client. They're all on the same server. And if you wanted to share information between sites and clients, in theory, could you do that?
1: I believe so. I haven't checked to see what the access restrictions are per user account. The indications have suggested that, yes, that is possible, but I need to check on that. And if not... It's not a very difficult application to spin up. Once you have the necessary database behind it, you just spin up as many of those as you need. So besides us owning our own data
0: and besides this information not feeding into you know, the, the greater Google Analytics machine and the Google Corporation or Alphabet, what else do we get from Matomo?
1: uh It also has another thing where it does uh, real time live tracking. So one thing that is part of Matomo's marketing pitch is that analytics tends to be an aggregate solution. It doesn't show you the exact data from every individual user that visits your site, whereas Matomo does have the ability to do that every single time. And you can see what their behavior is and which pages they go to. And it's actually on your dashboard in Matomo. It has a nice little river of... Uh, visits on your site, which shows you the technology, the device type, uh, how long they were on your site, their geographic locality, if you have that enabled, and also which sites they visit in which order, which is really, really useful. And another thing is that if you have something like the do not track headers enabled, it doesn't track you. At all. It doesn't have any weird, scummy, uh, will track you no matter what. If you decide to opt out of tracking, it will not track you, period. That's nice. That's really nice. Mm-hmm.
0: So I know that one of the things that Matomo is using in their marketing to differentiate themselves from Google Analytics is this idea that Google Analytics isn't actually giving you all the data when you look at your results. And um, they refer to it as, Google refers to it it as Google Analytics data sampling. And they basically say um, that sampling is the practice of analyzing a subset of all data in order to uncover the meaningful information in the larger data set. So Google doesn't actually give you all your data or analyze it. Mm-mm. They keep it for themselves. They keep it for themselves. But Matomo lets you have it all, right? Mm-hmm. And it basically crunches the numbers for you so that you, can, so that you don't miss out on things that uh, you know, something like sampling is going to cause.
1: And it also does other things. It, it also allows you to run campaigns just like Google Analytics, track particular subsets of your site, and it has its own Tag Manager built in. So it actually comp-
0: uh, like competes with Google Tag Manager as well. Mm-hmm. That's, that's interesting.
1: And there's a Drupal module for it. For Matomo. It's actually pretty easy. You just install it like any other Drupal module, give it a few pieces of information, and then you're good to go. Version 7 and 8 I only installed the 8 version. I'm pretty sure there's a 7 version. It's been around for a while.
0: Yeah, I would imagine that there is a a 7 version as well. Wow. And I also saw that Matoma has uh, GDPR and other relevant privacy respecting uh, banners and um, options and cookie options, right, Mm -hmm. that I don't think you see with Google Analytics. At least I haven't seen it. It's a lot more of a respectful solution compared to Google Analytics. So what do we do as a community then, um, and not, like you say, roll over and play dead? Do we, do we talk? I suppose talking about it is one thing. That's why we're doing this podcast. What else can we do, do you think, to promote privacy-respecting solutions like Matomo?
1: I usually like, would like to start a conversation with a client like that by asking, what do you expect to get out of your analytics? Are you looking for particular pages that are popular? Are you looking to get into particular market sets? Are you just looking for technology compliancy information? What are you actually looking for? Because you don't want to turn into Google and just say, I don't know what we're going to and We'll take it all. Right. 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 <laughs> because taking it all is also not particularly great either and that's kind of similar to the whole recaptcha discussion as well
0: yeah and i suppose if the um if the client's requirements are you know we run a shop that is a commerce site on Drupal and it's integrated with something on Shopify and we're using Google ads and we're using um, uh, AdWords and Facebook ads and we're really trying to track and optimize our return on our investment, then switching out Google Analytics for something like Matomo might not be a good business decision mm-hmm. for, for that particular client. On the other hand, if it's a nonprofit. And they are simply trying to gauge visitors and they don't have all these deep integrations with commerce, then Matomo is probably an easier solution and probably something that your constituents of the nonprofit, if they're um, interested in
1: privacy, will respect I, mostly, I keep thinking that a lot of clients, like a lot of individuals, don't realize the privacy implications of the technology that we decide that we're going to use, even though it's mm. everywhere. Like, <laughs> one thing a lot of political activists will tell you is don't take your phone with you to an event, ever. Not even if it's turned off. Don't even take it with you. Because because it can be used to geolocate you either, either roughly or exactly without your knowledge. And you don't want that? No, because that can be used, even if it's a perfectly legal, perfectly peaceful event, that can be used to get you fired later. Yeah. And that actually has been shown to happen. In the
0: tweet you sent out, you also mentioned re- recapture. Uh, so let's talk yeah. about that. Um, remind everybody what reCAPTCHA is, please.
1: So reCAPTCHA is a visual uh, authentication mechanism. It usually presents you with an image or a series of images, and you are to select the images that correspond to a list of text, like select all traffic cones, for example. And then you select a number of traffic cones, and then it validates you through. Sometimes uh, it will also gather uh, data silently, like your mouse wiggles, if you've changed windows, if that behavior is nonlinear or non regular. As a result, it can actually determine from there that you're probably a human with relatively high confidence because you're not acting like a script along a particular determined programmatic mm-hmm. path to interact mm-hmm. with the site. And this is used as a stopgap in order to keep, people from, keep sites from having registrations from any number of bot accounts and bot systems and click farms in order to make sure that the people who sign up for your site are real people, quote unquote. And there's a number of different problems with this. One, it doesn't always work. A lot of, uh, there are ways of defeating reCAPTCHA, even though it's there and it works most of the time. And that's, you know, a practical concern. The next concern is, it is a nightmare for accessibility. Mm. This is nearly impossible to work if you're using a screen reader. So if you have visual issues or motor control issues and you can't use a mouse, this is going to just make your day that much worse. And that is actually a legal problem for a lot of sites. Then I usually want to ask a client, why do you need it? What are you hoping to use it for? And then we have to think about, That more strategically, why do you have users registering for your site? Is that really necessary? How else can you track them? Are there other mechanisms that you can use to delay click farms and other bot scripts from actually accessing your site? An old-fashioned pattern is you sign up for the site and you don't get to log in immediately. You actually have to wait for an email. Some sites, like publishing firms, that rely primarily on commenting in order to make sure that they have high engagement with their readership, that might not be ideal, but it is an effective method even today in order to prevent people from accessing it. And these are all the, the label on the tin mm. concerns. When you open the can <laughs> to find the worms inside, I have to drop a bombshell on you. Tell me what it is. So, let's say that you're using an iPhone. You pull out your iPhone and you're using Face ID to unlock it. Perfectly normal, perfectly innocent. Right. The same machine vision algorithm that is used to unlock your phone can also be used for target acquisition for a weaponized drone. Do we really want to contribute to that kind of technology, even as consumers? Hmm. It doesn't sound like we do. (laughs) I wouldn't want to do that either. It is very uncomfortable and does not sit well with my conscience. And reCAPTCHA is a shadow method to do machine learning machine vision learning that is exactly what it's for that's why it gives you pictures that's also why uh google phone google voice existed because it was a means to train vocal recognition so they can turn that technology around and sell it
0: oh that's right i'd forgotten about that
1: modern technology companies if they are selling a product and it seems to be free it's not It's not free. In fact, your two products at the same time, the one that they're using to gain your behavioral data, and they're using it to train something else that they'll also turn around and sell later. There's a trend here, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. Google Analytics was an
0: acquisition that Google made of Urchin. And we've talked about this on the podcast in the past with um, Dan Antonson. And so that's why the Google Analytics UA numbers all start with UA, because it used to be called Urchin Analytics. Mm -hmm. Uh, ReCAPTCHA is a Google product now that was previously open source and was acquired by Google in 2009, I think, or 2008, something like that. So more than 10 years ago. And so ReCAPTCHA has really been this machine learning exercise that Google has been Producing and using to the benefit of its shareholders and to the detriment of the community that is giving all this information to them for so like that's the trend. Mm-hmm. There are alternatives to recapture. You mentioned honeypots and um, different ways of determining whether or not a user is actually human. Mm-hmm. But there is this other um, captcha alternative that I read about the other day here. HCAPTCHA, and Mm -hmm. Cloudflare is actually implementing HCAPTCHA across its end. Mm, Cloudflare,
1: that doesn't make me suspicious already. (laughs) Yeah, so I have my own thoughts about Cloudflare as well. I trust Cloudflare as far as I can throw them. At least
0: it's not going to Cloudflare and Google if you're using Cloudflare endpoints now. I I suppose that's a silver lining.
1: One of the things that immediately uh, stood out to me with HCAPTCHA when I was looking at it is it primarily relies on you installing a browser extension. And that's already nope city for me. Is is that really how it works? You have to have um, an extension? At, that was right on the main info page, yeah.
0: So you can't actually visit a site that has an HCAPTCHA on it without having the extension on it? Mm-hmm doesn't seem like it's going to work.
1: No, it's probably not a very good option. A lot of these technologies are really trying to work around one fundamental thing, which is we want to keep bots out of particular sites, keep humans in those sites so that they don't start posting ads all over the place. And the thing is, there's already a, an existing solution for that. that Tell works. me, what is it? It's called a content moderator. You pay someone. Yeah, okay. <laughs> because human beings are generally pretty good at figuring out if another person's a human being or posting an ad <laughs> when they shouldn't be. It doesn't scale well, and the problem is that it costs a lot of money, and it's very stressful. And even then, it has ethical implications for the for the moderator themselves. There are dis- distinct studies that have shown that being a content moderator causes a lot of people to have PTSD issues for years and years and years after they leave that particular business because it's just that nasty. There are so many nasty people out there.
0: Yeah. And lots of trolls. I can't imagine how it is to deal with that kind of PTSD after moderating
1: the content. And this is why I keep going back to the same question of, is this really something that you want to do? Is this really something that's necessary for your site? Because if it's not, then maybe you shouldn't. Maybe it's not that important for your business. Maybe there's alternative ways of doing it. I like the
0: idea of putting in your phone number or even your email address to log in to receive a special token. Maybe it's even a one-time use token so that you can
1: comment. An email address would probably be my preferred one. Phone numbers have... uh, different implications that are also worrying.
0: Yeah, phone numbers are also kind of a dime a dozen too. You can very easily get them and very cheaply use them with APIs as well. So it's not going to provide you a great deal of um, protection, right? Mm-mm. Yeah. Okay, so what's the moral of the story here before we wrap up, do you think?
1: I think the moral of the story is that We need to talk to clients a lot more about the privacy implications of the technologies that we're pulling off the shelf. If we're going to be recommending a particular solution, we really should take a moment to consider, is this the right solution? Do we want to actually implement that? Do we want to feed these other corporations who do who knows what with this data later, of which we will become subsequently culpable for supporting, even vicariously? So that's something I think that we do have to be aware of, and we have to raise the knowledge and the understanding of ourselves and our clients in order to bring this forward and only then can we hopefully make a small tiny infinitesimal step towards a more ethical industry
0: i think you're right i think the moral of the story here is education and as the the vendors and the service providers in this situation we should be educating our clients about options and alternatives to google analytics Maybe Google Analytics is okay in some cases. Um, Most cases, it's probably alternatives would be just fine, and that goes for reCAPTCHA as well. Well, Tess, I hope this episode didn't give you PTSD. I really appreciate your spending your time with me today. I just want people to
1: think about things that they
0: haven't thought of before. Thank you very much. Tess Flynn is DevOps engineer at Ten7, and you can find her online as SocketWench. That's wench, not wrench. She's on Twitter, Mastodon, on Drupal.org, Patreon, and more. You can check out her website as well at DennyNet.com. You've been listening to the 107 podcast, find us online at 107.com slash podcast. And if you have a second, do send us a message. We love hearing from you. Our email address is podcast at 107.com. Until next time, this is Ivan Stegich. Thank you for listening.